We all know the Lakers have fallen on their faces. What else do you need to know about the Western Conference and how the Suns stack up in it? We'll dive into all of the teams throughout the conference playoff picture with Jackson Frank coming right up on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. We are on YouTube, growing that channel ever so surely, and we are, of course, on all audio platforms, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen, we are there. And the best way to support the show is to do exactly what you are already doing, which is listening, which is watching, which is subscribing. So thank you for doing that. We're making our way here. Um, One quick note. So Rachel, I still need to hear from you. I might just DM you directly if I don't hear from you. This towel is yours. Just tell me where you live and I'll send it to you. As we get to 750 subscribers on YouTube, this towel could be somebody else's. So keep those subscriptions flowing in. I want by the time we're in the playoffs for there to be no more mention. I don't even want to have to tell you guys because I want this. I want everybody who listens to just be on that YouTube page by the time we are in another playoff run. But that's exactly what we're here to talk about today. Jackson Frank is our guest. He is an NBA writer at the analyst at Dime, at Basketball News, all over the place. And he is he's become something of our all the other teams in the West correspondent here on the show. So I wanted to bring him in. Jackson, how are you doing? And what let's just dive right into it. What did you make of these two matchups, these two uh, very high profile games between the Suns and the Warriors? That's that's where we want to start here. Yeah, so in transparency, I only, I only caught the the first game and then I watched like a little bit of the maybe the second half um, it was a blowout the second game sucked it's yeah. all right and it, I just didn't feel like I gleaned much from a game without you know the Suns best or second best player with Devin Booker uh the first game though was was a joy it was really fun um you know I think obviously you saw how good Aiton can be uh you know it, it, it felt like some of those games in the playoffs last year when Aiton would go up against smaller lineups and just really used his size, his interior touch. He was awesome on the offensive class early on. Um, and so, you know, when Draymond was on uh, Aiton a little later in the game, he had a little more trouble. You know, he was catching the ball a little farther from the hoop. And I think Aiton's improved, kind of putting the ball on the floor and have a little more versatility in his scoring ability this year. But he still saw some struggles there. But um, And then late, you saw CP do what he's done in basically every close game the Suns have won this season. Uh, he took over with, you know, pick and roll play, getting to the elbows, getting to those pull-ups. Uh, he had a bunch of really, really nice passes in that game as well. Um, he always does, but that game just felt so so precise from him. Uh, and then you saw what what great team defense led by Mikael Bridges can do. Obviously, Steph missed some some shots that he routinely makes over you know his career, but uh, Mikael and, and Aiton and the team defense also did a really good job of making, you know, maybe reducing how many good looks he got. So, um just to me, it was just a it, for for many reasons it was emblematic of what's made the Suns so good through a season and a half, you know, with Chris Paul around and you know Devin Booker and Aiton rising and, and Mikel kind of you know figuring things out. Um, but at the same time, you know, in that first game, you continue to see some issues from Mikel offensively. Um, he he was not as aggressive as you like. He was hesitant with the ball. It felt like a lot of those games you saw in the last couple of rounds of the playoffs, where you know Mikel needs to be very good on defense, you know, for the most part, but. 
you need a little more offense. They need him to take that open three. And if he's not going to take, he's going to put the ball on the deck and make a quick pass or get to that little pull up that he's good at. So um, you saw some of the issues with the Suns, but largely you saw what makes them a team that's 20 and four and in the top of the league. Couldn't agree more. I think all of that uh, we, we've observed all season, like you said. I mean, those, there wasn't necessarily a ton on the Suns side that felt brand new. Um, obviously, you want to see it tested against the best competition in the NBA. That passing you mentioned from Chris was uh, was definitely an observation of mine. We talked about it with Matt Moore last week on the show, just the way that you think of switching a lot of the times as a way to generate an advantage as a scorer to create a mismatch. But Chris is so good about kind of turning the discomfort that might result from those switches into passing opportunities for his teammates. And we saw that. I think that's something we'll continue to see. Just he is such a master. He's faced this exact team so many times that I think that knowledge will will drive him. Before we get too much further, though, wanted to let everybody know today's show is brought to you by Truebill, the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need. Truebill can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. But my question on the Warriors, Jackson, um, you wrote something about Draymond a little bit ago that was that was really good, and you know we know a lot about him. We know a lot about Steph. We think we know a lot about Clay, and even Andre Iguodala is back in the mix here. But what you know from a, a Suns fan that maybe's only watched them a couple of times when they did play the Suns and is looking forward to Christmas and a, maybe a, a playoff battle between these two squads, what? What should scare teams the most around the NBA about this Warriors team? You know, aside from the fact that Steph Curry is an insane basketball player who is just a, an, a force we've never seen before. What about this year's team in particular stands out to you? Yeah, so I think aside from Steph largely, you know, being an MPB candidate again like he was last year, just with, you know, a better team around him now, the three biggest things that jump out to me um, that weren't all present in that, that first Suns game is uh, Andrew Wiggins has been a lot better. Um, he's been awesome from three. I think he was dealing with back spasm that first yeah, game. Yeah, he, he was questionable for the game. Yeah. Woke up that and day he, with some back spasm. just spas, looked a little but, less spry, a little yeah. more stiff, getting to the rim, getting to his pull-up and stuff. So that's been huge for them, a, a scorer who can handle the ball with some size. They needed that a lot last year. Wiggins was good last year, but I think he's been even better this year. Uh, you saw What we saw in that game was Jordan Poole was awesome. Um, he was a good scorer last year. He's done it. He's done it even better on higher volume. I think he's taken a leap as a passer as well. Um, learning some of those reads that you see from Steph when, he, when Steph draws two off the screens or things like that, um, but also just able to make some more complex reads. And then what we didn't see also in that game is Draymond's been a lot more aggressive as a driver this year. Um, isn't taking a ton of threes. Um, he has a lot of space to operate because the Warriors often have, you know, really, really good spacing with Steph out there, even, even Poole. Uh, other shooters like Otto Porter Jr. and by Bialitsa. Uh, and Draymond, rather than just you know catch the ball around the arc and try to look for a passing lane, he's going to say, okay, you're not going to guard me. I'm 6'7", you know, decent, qu- decently quick. Um, and I think he talked about like, kind of working on his quickness this offseason, and you're seeing that. And so he's shooting really well at the rim. He's getting the rim more, drawing more fouls. Um, but that game against the Suns, you saw him kind of revert back to what happened against good teams last year at times where he forces passes. There aren't as many open driving lanes because the Suns are a great defense. Um and so for the Warriors, you're going to need Wiggins to be the guy who's largely been all year against, you know, for the most part, and then Draymond to kind of be that guy 
who is a very good passer still, but also can give you 8, 10, 12 points by just getting to the rim, drawing fouls, and then also doing everything he does as a passer. So um, we saw the pool thing in, in that first game, but we yeah. didn't see as much of Draymond's you know, better scoring approach and Andrew Wiggins being that secondary handler that you know has helped them be a really good offense this year, whereas last year they were not a very good offense despite Steph being himself. Yeah, that was one of the big differences between the first game and the second game that I notice and I mean it kind of just shows up in the box score but it, it definitely just showed up in terms of the the offensive fluidity that the Warriors had is that first game all of their big man slash forward playmakers were pretty much all bad I mean you know high turnover games a lot of the times Juan Toscano Anderson you know they were people were noticing in real time that his his performance was just really really out of the ordinary for him he was uh, looked lost on a couple of possessions and you mentioned Draymond wasn't really himself. So uh, Bielitsa as well, I think he had five or six turnovers. So those guys were way better in the second game. And it, it obviously shows up with the way that they want to play on offense that, oh, well, lo and behold, they're going to score better. And they were at home. And then, you know, Mikhail went out and, and no Booker for the first half and all the other differences that were pretty obvious as well. But um, does it feel to you like that's the most logical Western Conference finals right now? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think, you know, they've been the two best teams all year uh, in the NBA, really. Um, I, I do think the Lakers are starting to figure it out, but they've got it. They still got a lot of like, it's a big gap, right? Even if they start, even if they start to look like a top four seed, there's a difference between the four seed in the West right now and the top two seeds that are, that are 20 and four and rolling. So yeah, I think, I think right now, um, you know, the Jazz have been, you know, pretty good this year, but I, I don't quite feel like they're on that, that tier. I know we'll get into more, some, some specifics soon, but, but yeah, I think it's hard to say otherwise. And they just, those teams are just so well organized on both ends. Um, in that first game, I mentioned Juan Conor Anderson. I think one of the issues is he loves to, you know, if when he dives to the rim or slips, the, slips to the rim after screening for Steph or Jordan, Jordan Poole, um, he usually has an open dunk or if someone rotates over, he's got the corner three or the wing three, the, the Suns were really, really good about not giving him a shot at the rim. And then behind that, they were helping the help really well, right? So I think he had one really, really bad turnover where he just kind of mindlessly threw it to the corner when the guy rotated the rim because he expects that pass to be open. But the Suns don't allow that pass to be open because they are so connected. So that was just emblematic. And then, you know, on the on the flip side, you know, we saw what the Warriors can do when they're when they're rolling, you know, Scottish 17 points, Gary Payton 19. Um, yeah. Just so how good those cutters can be with all the spacing around them and, and, you know, Steph wasn't even great. You know, I think he was good against, you know, the Suns just, you know, from the stuff I saw, but um, didn't have to go supernova because of just, you know, as he said, Mikel went out, but the Suns just also weren't quite as connected. And that's to that makes sense. They played three games in four days on the road. So um, sometimes that happens. But yeah, I, I yeah. you know, to answer your question succinctly, yes, that those would be the two best teams right now. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, the, the Jazz are the other obvious one. I, I think we're all looking forward to that Christmas Day game to see what the Warriors look like. We'll get to those Jazz, a team that, the Suns haven't played yet, a team that I honestly haven't caught a lot of, so I'm interested to hear Jackson's thoughts. First, though, want to tell you one more time about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Well, it's clear it's a business scam to get your money. That's not really a secret, so don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill, the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or maybe just forgot about. Companies love to make those subscriptions hard to cancel. They don't do you any favors by reminding you or do uh, or or letting you know how much you're giving them. They they want you to keep doing it. But Truebill flips that on its head. They make it simple. They basically allow you to just link your accounts and they will do the rest. They will cancel your unwanted subscriptions and your Truebill concierge will also help monitor which subscriptions you are actually using. 
so that you don't even have to tell it and it can find them and cancel them on its own. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. The Warriors, Jackson, are, or I'm sorry, the Jazz, are 17 and 7. A clear three seed just below the Warriors and the Suns here. And um, I, like I said, I have not caught a lot of this team. I probably am too lazy just telling myself that I know what they look like and that there's not anything new to learn, but I probably should change that because we might be headed for these two teams clashing in the second round. What what stood out to you about Utah this season? Am I wrong? Please tell me what, what looks different about them so that our, our audience here can be ready when they do play the Suns here uh, soon. Yeah, so I, I definitely get kind of the general prove it mentality of a lot of people around the jazz they were so good last regular season and then kind of unceremoniously were ousted from the playoffs they have their own injuries but when a team is without Kawhi Leonard you would hope that they can you know overcome that and they stick a 2-0 lead but um their offense has been incredible this year uh really really good they lead the they lead the NBA in offensive rating by over three and a half points they're at 116.9 Atlanta's at 113.2 and second um Mike Conley has been been very good again he's shooting the lights out Gobert has been his normal self, finishing everything, setting good screens. Um, Donovan Mitchell started slowly, but I think you know, he's really starting to figure it out. He's been had some really big performances as, as of late against the Cavs, the Blazers, the, uh, the Celtics. Um, and so it's kind of the same old, same old in that regard. But um, and I think if they – I mean, I think part of the reason they've been overshadowed is, was what I mentioned earlier, but also they haven't had one of those – those big winning streaks or that really, really great start like the Warriors and Suns have had, but they might be in, might be starting one. They're, they're five. They've won their last five. I don't want to jinx them. I'm probably going to say they're going to lose to the, the Sixers tonight, but, um, and then they play the, the Sixers, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Spurs, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Wolves, a lot of bad to mediocre teams. They could rattle off some wins, but, um, I, I think, I don't think they're a better team than last year, truthfully, but I do think maybe the, the general, like it might not be as, as tough as sledding, but, my biggest worry is the defense with them. They have a lot of explosive defenders. Joe Ingles looks even slower than his last year. I think that was an issue for him. Um, Mike Conley, I think, is good against some like-sized you know, guys, but he's just I think he looks a step slower as well, and he's just not a super strong guard. He's also a little undersized. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I don't think, is very good at the point of attack. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich is kind of slow as well. So I think they're a really good team, but I still hesitate to put them in that top tier. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up making the Western Conference Finals. Maybe a matchup shakes their way or they, they figure things out defensively because you know maybe they just figured out the point of attack and Gobert is able to maybe play in the paint more often than you know, maybe not work in space as often. So um, they're very good, but I, I just can't quite get there because I worry about the defense. And, and I do think at the highest level they have some issues offensively. Um, you know, Mike Conley can just be – he's really good. He's really key to what they do offensively, but he also is a 6-1 guard. He was quick as a bug, but you know, just – when you're that small, it's really tough. Like I don't want to use just a cliche or anything, but um, you have to be so, so dynamic as a creator on the ball at that size. And I don't think he quite meets that threshold. So um, really good offense, a little more dynamic than last year. Rudy Gay has been awesome for them. They've played him some small ball fives since Hassan Whiteside's been out. Um, yeah. I even think Whiteside's an upgrade for them over Derek Favors, at least the version of Derek Favors last year, who just a little slower, didn't really have that same level from protection we saw in previous you know stints with the Jazz or years with the Jazz. But um, I just can't quite get there because I worry about the defense. And I just yeah. think, you know, Gobert can only cover for so much as we saw last year, right? And I don't think that's been rectified. 
One of the reasons that I'm so fascinated by them as a Suns matchup, and I think part of the reason these teams have had such exciting games against each other last season, is that some of those size things maybe don't hurt as much when you're playing Phoenix, who have their own 5'11 point guard. Uh, maybe I, we don't have to peg the height down of what Chris Paul <laughs> is, but Mike Conley is you know not as much of a mismatch in that type of a situation. And not only the size, but... Paul is not somebody who's going to consistently drive to the rim and challenge Conley and put him in situations where he's having to try to defend, um, you know, disadvantageous situations at the basket or on a drive or, you know, running a bunch of pick and rolls where he's going to have to really navigate and try to, you know, account for a whole range of outcomes. We know how Chris Paul plays and I think how Conley defends or what the capabilities he has actually work. I I, I think the, the Donovan Mitchell thing is is probably the most disappointing thing about that team for me uh not him not having the growth defensively that you know physically you would just think he he should have already started to show um with all that said I mean they also could just be healthier come playoff time because Mitchell he was great when he finally played so I don't really know how much I want to say that that hurt them because they easily took care of the their first round matchup but at the same time, you know, Conley well, I think, was clearly I think he re-aggravated the ankle injury, if I recall, in the second round. Yeah. If okay. I... Yeah, he did. By the end of the series, he did. It's just yeah. he played so well, kind of anyway. Early yeah. on, yeah, I think yeah. he were up to him, and but, yeah, but and then, and then it got I worse. Think, so you know, think, that could help, and Conley clearly wasn't himself. So that yeah. that could yeah. change things, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I, for me, it's it's that I I think if they're gonna be like the juggernaut that maybe we all expected they could be last year based off the regular season, it's gonna be on offense. Like they're just gonna they're just gonna boat race teams. Like I think Mitchell's yeah. been better offensive this year, um, just a little more precise and patient getting to his spots. Um, because that's always been my one of my hesitancies with the Jazz is I just don't know how much I trust a team whose clear best creator historically has been Donovan Mitchell. But I think you know what we've seen from Mitchell, you know maybe in the playoffs the last couple of seasons, and what we've seen for him to start this year. Um, I have a little more credence in that, but yeah, I think you mentioned the defense with, with kind of the jazz with the Suns. my issue with the jazz there is like the Suns are so good at putting teams in rotation. Right. And yeah. if you're, if you're having to put Boyan Bogdanovich out there or a Rudy Gay or a Joe Ingles or a Donovan Mitchell off the ball, I just worry a lot. I just worry about the Suns in that regard, but it is a fair point for sure that the Suns don't have all, they don't have a bunch of like scoring juice on the wing. Right. I mean, their, their wings are Mikel and, and Jay Crowder. And as you mentioned earlier, Mikel hasn't proven to maybe show, He's been better offensive this year, but hasn't been as good in the premier matchups, right, or in the in the playoffs last year. So, and that's uh, and that's what we saw a lot in their matchups last year is that the Suns' offense was able to really work. I remember those games being pretty high scoring, and then you know what it was kind of the the final domino of Aiton proving that he was sort of ready for a playoff run and and could affect the game in so many different ways. Was that his energy and ability to like his kind of functional use of his size and stuff in those couple of matchups these teams had late last year was able to I, I don't want to say neutralize Gobert but you could imagine a situation where the the Jazz just make they just shoot the the lights out Rudy's able to you know take away sort of like the top 10% of easy offense that a, another defense might give up and you know maybe his his rebounding and control of the paint just they they just dictate possession so much that could be something where you could see them losing to the suns if the sun because the suns kind of want to do the same thing a lot of the time it's a different look but they do that but that that wasn't able to really that other stuff with the the interior it didn't happen because Aiton played so well so 
I, I just kind of end up coming back to they're not different enough. They haven't, not that they should be adjusting solely for the Suns, but they haven't really adjusted for anybody. I mean, the Rudy Gay thing is interesting. I, I'm curious to see how they continue to incorporate him, but I don't know if he's really like, if you're going to, we're going to get these playoff X factor pieces written like we do every year. Is Rudy Gay really going to be at the top of that list? If, and if he is like, I don't really know if that's the level, like, you know, if that's the level that you really want your, your X factor to be at, and it might mean taking off your best or second best player. I, I just, they don't seem like they've activated some of the things that would really scare me if I'm a Suns fan. But um, with all that said, I think we have plenty of other teams to get into. I want to talk about the Lakers, who Jackson does seem to think is uh, are an interesting up-and-comer here in the NBA, and maybe the the Clippers and Nuggets, some of these injured teams, and we'll, we'll get a we'll get a little bit more of a survey of the league. First, though, quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar. On the planet, my favorite protein bar, and they are serving up treats all December long, all holiday season long. Grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, and covered in chocolate, yet somehow low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy, which can be hard to find during the holidays. You are uh, like a lot more likely to find the delicious and the uh, unnutritious than the healthy Unfortunately, Built Bar gives you that extra feel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle the holiday shoppers. If you're standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you the power to uh, make it just a little bit longer to give your loved ones the gifts that you know you need to get them. So, let's see. Trying to find a flavor here. I like to throw some out that are exciting. Cookies and cream, double chocolate. Dip your Bilt Bar into hot cocoa, they suggest. There's no shortage of new flavors, of new ways to enjoy your favorite Bilt Bar, and uh, honestly, no shortage of deals. So head to Bilt.com. When you make your purchase, use the promo code LOCK15. There's going to be other sales going on all month, guys. It's not the only one, but you can use that promo code all the time as well. Again, that's promo code LOCK15. When you make your purchase at Bilt.com to get 15% off your next order. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to make a bet on any of your favorite sports. We have the NFL wrapping up. We have college football in the thick of bowl season, which can just be uh, delightful to bet on, uh, maybe for the fun of it, if not the uh, lucrativity of it. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a big time of year in sports, and BetOnline is your number one source for all of the odds, props, and lines that you need. So go to BetOnline.ag. They're new, updated desktop or mobile app make an account and when you do use the promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus that's promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account bet online once again the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts I will give you the floor Jackson the the Lakers We've already seen the Suns blow them out. That was in the very, very early days of the season when things were looking particularly ugly. They seem to be healthier. LeBron is, for now, back in the lineup. He battled the injury, then he battled COVID, and uh, or maybe not COVID. We don't really know. Now he's he's in the lineup again. Anthony Davis is playing. Russell Westbrook is playing. They're not healthy on the margins, but they are winning games. What should Suns fans know as the Lakers maybe start to round into form. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, going into the year, everyone kind of expected them to lean more into an offense-first identity. Uh, of course, you know, getting more shooters, trading for Russell Westbrook, trading away, you know, good defenders and Kim Davis, Kahlo Pope, and Kyle Kuzma, and letting Alex Caruso walk. And they're they're starting to figure it out a little bit. And, like, Russell Westbrook's been really good over the last, I don't know, two, three weeks, honestly. Like, even before, I think the Lakers as a whole looked better. Um, and some of that was without LeBron because he was injured. But, um, you know, over their last six games, which admittedly three of them have come against the Kings and Pistons, um, you know, so it's not like a great, and then even the Pacers are one of them. But over the last six games, they have the uh, eighth best offense and the ninth best defense, uh, good for the seventh best net rating. Um, so again, like I said earlier, like I'll get into specifics, but like I think that's starting to figure it out. There's still a wide gulf between figuring it out and getting to where the Suns and the Warriors and the Jazz are. Um, but they're they're starting to run more kind of snug pick and rolls around the elbows in the mid post with Russ as a handler and LeBron or AD as the roller. They've figured some things out using LeBron at the five the last few weeks. Um, they did it worked really well offensively against the Clippers last week, but um, LeBron wasn't his normal self defensively and took some risks, was late on some rotations, and so they kind of continue to seed points there. But I think, you know, if they, all of it comes down to LeBron, right? It's not like sure. LeBron is going to have to be his great self. So if they can figure it out offensively with him at the five, you'd expect LeBron to be very good defensively there as well. Um, they weirdly kind of played him in drop rather than switching more at the five. So still some things to figure out. And and against the Celtics, Frank Vogel put Avery Bradley back in the rotation, which he has not been good for them on either end. So um, And the defense still continues to be kind of tenuous, um, Malik Monk, they've used him well. They've kind of, you know, early in the year, Monk was struggling because I think they were trying to kind of use him as this lead ball handler at times. Now he gets a few reps on the ball, but he's also been used as a screener, a spot up shooter. Feels like he's settling into a role. They're figuring out how to use him. So um, I just have confidence that like they're figuring it out offensively. And I think, you know, all of it hinges on LeBron and AD being these top seven, eight superstars, M- you know, MVP caliber and LeBron's respect. Um, and so I think if they're that, some of that is their defensive greatness. And so they'll be at least good enough um, there. But I don't know exactly what figuring it out means, but I do feel like this is team is clearly looking like a playoff squad, which is a low bar. Sure. But admittedly, two weeks ago, they were below 500 and they didn't look like that. So um, they're figuring out how to use Russ better and kind of harmonize, you know, with hit, with AD and LeBron. And then I think, you know, other guys are settling into their roles. But um, you know, they, I think the schedule gets pretty tough for them next month, if I recall. Um, and admittedly, you know, they even beat the Celtics without Jalen Brown at home. So, sure. like, it's there aren't a bunch of great wins, but um, they also had a bunch of bad wins and ugly losses. So, yeah, uh, step by step. But I don't, yeah. by no means am I declaring they're all the way back. But I think you're seeing the inklings of a team that that could get to be really good in, in due time with two great players at the forefront. Yeah, for sure. They. Did you like how I said they fall flat on their face and then I wait until the very end of the show to admit that that's not like all the way true? I just, <laughs> I got to bring people in with Lakers slander and then we'll get to like reality by the end. No, it's a, it's a good, it's a good balance. You, you bring the slander and then I'll, I'll bring some of the, the, the more level headed analysis and then we'll, we'll work off of that. You gotta have a okay. good balance, right? Not everything exactly. has to be exactly. less fun that way. It's less fun. It's less fun if we admit that the Lakers are good at all. Um, <laughs> But we were talking, I remember, when we first uh, previewed sort of how the sun stacked up about, like, we were completely on different pages about who their best five was going to end up being. Um, I was was way wrong about Taylor Horton Tucker. I feel like it doesn't seem like his season has been as promising as they might have hoped when they signed him to that contract. Um, Are we any closer to, to figuring that out? Do you think the Lakers have settled? You mentioned Malik Monk. Obviously, those three stars are most likely 
going to be in it for political or actual reasons. Um, is that is it Monk plus those three plus uh, who? What are where are we with that? Yeah, that's interesting because I remember I was actually thinking about not recently, but maybe when the Lakers were starting off slowly, and I was like, yeah, well, Brendan. Brendan's like a lot more prescient than I am right now on that prediction about, you know, offering more later skepticism when we did that podcast at the start of the season. But um, definitely those three. And I, I get kind of maybe the, the polit- but like, I think, I think like those three have clearly been their three best players. And like I said, Russ has honestly been very good. I think, you know, there's still kind of this narrative like, oh, like Russ is the issue to an extent. But I think if you're going to frame it all like that, it would be that like, they shouldn't have gone away from their defense first identity, but that's not Russell. That's what it is it. to me more than anything. I don't think yeah. like offensively, it's pretty obvious that he has to be out there. They don't have much better options, but it's like you could really easily imagine a situation, a defense, a defensive matchup late in the playoffs where Russ is just being exploited. And then they probably just have to stick with him. Like, I don't know if it's tenable to bench a player like that. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. That's really what I mean. Yeah. And I think he's honestly bit like like they've used him as an on ball guy a little more, and he's so strong, and he's so so pretty good laterally, and like LeBron and AD at their best can cover for a lot of things off the ball. Um, but they they need Russ offense because LeBron has really become a huge jump shooter. I think he's taking the most threes you know of his career per game or like a three point rate. Um, whether that's because he just I think it's a combination of maybe saving up a little bit for the playoffs and also just not having the same level of explosiveness he had five years ago, even ten years ago. Um, but they need that guy who can get downhill. They're pushing the ball. I think they're second or third in pace on the year. I don't know exactly, but they're way up there. Um, so it's definitely those three. Um, I think Monk makes sense right now. Like I right now as the fourth guy, just with the way he's played as of late, he's been really good putting the ball in the basket, and they've used him as kind of a screener for LeBron. And I think LeBron historically has been so good with those movement shooters. Those those shooters can set screens. You know whether it's Kyle Korver. Um, I, I don't know how much Mike Miller set screens back then, but he was awesome for the jet for the for the heat heat, excuse me. Um, but that fifth guy, yeah, I'm I'm blanking for some reason on all these different players in the Lakers. But I think ideally, you know, the Lakers, you know, this is just kind of projection, but I think ideally the Lakers would love for it to be Trevor Ariza, um, which feels like a lot to put on him, but Ariza has honestly been pretty good defensively when he's been available, whether it's for the Blazers or the Heat last year. Um, I think he only played for the Heat. He only played like half the year or something. He kind of came out of pseudo retirement. He was on the Kings, right? At, a, at the very beginning of the season. I, I, don't, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even remember. Um, but def, I think those four. And then, like, honestly, I mean, he hasn't been as good as of late, but I think it might be Mello. Like, he's been so good for them as a spot up shooter, shooting 42% from three. Has a really weird, like, home road disparity from three. I was watching a game recently and they put it up, but. Um, has, has cooled off a little bit, still over 42%, and has been better defensively at times this year, I think. Been huge for them as a communicator. So um, you put you put two really you know, good shooters around Russ, you know, AD and LeBron, uh, and hope, you know, the, the elite AD and LeBron can really cover for you as you know, paint protectors, and then Russ be good enough on the ball. Um, and Monk, honestly, is a pretty solid interior defender. Um, has his issues on the perimeter and kind of off the ball on the perimeter as well, but um, I think right now that that's it. But I think ideally they want a reason there to give you kind of a little bit more wing stopper with size because you know Russ, you don't want to be a primary perimeter defender, and you also just leave yourself susceptible to bigger creators, which you know you, they have many of. Whether it's Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Paul George, um, you know Donovan Mitchell isn't a bigger creator, but he's so explosive that might be too much for Russ. So. Um, Ideally, be a reason, but right now I'd say it's Mellow and Monk around the kind of the three stars. Um, and but I don't know that because Vogel has not been great with rotations this year, so it might be a hypothetical. They're going to be a buyout 
team like they always are, like LeBron's teams always are. If you know <laughs> you have a shot at the playoffs, then team, you know, players are going to want to play there. So that's always the factor. And, and they're, they've shown themselves to be pretty fine to cut bait and, and rearrange the roster at the back end, especially if, if need be. So I would think, you know, they'll get a look from those, you know, defense veteran types that might fill out that a little bit better if Ariza doesn't work out or if they just don't trust the young guys quite as much or, or whatever it ends up being. Um, rapid fire here. We, 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 we did Lakers talk a lot. That ended up taking the spot of, I guess, sort of the team to watch because they are in the bottom of the standings. It seems a little weird to say like the kind of frisky Lakers, but they are, you know, <laughs> surging in a way. Who else? Give me a, like one minute on one other team that either is probably going to finish at the bottom of the standings that shouldn't be underestimated or a team that maybe could be pushing toward the top of the standings in the next you know month or two as as we make our way toward the all-star break. Yeah, I I mean, it's the, the West honestly is a little bit dire outside of the, the elite three. And then maybe the, the Lakers is that fourth team. But um to me, I think it's the Clippers. Like, I don't know if they have enough offensive firepower without Kawhi to make it happen, but that defense is really good. Paul George has been awesome on defense, like better than I think in some previous years, especially as kind of a helper inside. Nick Batum, when healthy, has been awesome. Uh, Zubats has his issues in terms of playoff availability at times, or just you know showing that he deserves to play on the court at times. Um, but he's been really good as well. Um, you know, I, I, I think you know Reggie Jackson. I think is okay but also offensively he's prone to those big series as we've seen he hasn't been as good this year because he's been asked to handle the ball more but um you know in a series that you know in small samples where shot making kind of reigns supreme outlier shot making i think you always have to, to bet on them. so to me it's the clippers tyloo is such a good coach so good with adjustments i think he's handled it really well like the fact they're 14 and 12 despite batum being out for a stretch with health and safety protocols pg's jumper and kind of scoring efficiency waxing and waning reggie jackson getting off to such a slow start um it's got to be that team and then I don't, I don't really believe in this next team, but Dallas, like, I just, I just think a team with Luca, a team that can go five out around him um, is interesting. And I think you've seen at times them figure out that, oh yeah, we shouldn't run, you know, four post-ups for Chris Porzingis during the minutes he and Luca share the floor. Um, hasn't been consistent. They still kind of go to that too much, but um, and he, like they were told in 12, Tim Hardaway Jr. struggled. I think he should get back on track. So um I just think a team that has good shooting around a superstar like Luca's a team to watch out for, but I don't really believe in them. I would believe more in the Clippers, even though I'm not huge on either team. But I think yeah. a team that has you know that great coaching, a superstar in Paul George, and a defense that's looked really good this year, despite guys in, in and out of the lineups at times, uh, that would be my pick. But it's not. It's not great. It's yeah. not a lot of. I think I. Kind of- I think I used the word bleak yesterday talking about it with with Dwayne Rankin on the show, and. I think that's, I mean, to me, that's an opportunity for some team to either, you know, swing for the fences in a trade, or I don't know if that's, there's a player out there to do that with this season, but, you know, somebody could and should just seize that if, if they have the ability to get better, or, you know, maybe it's just health, or it, it's just a team clicking and being able to reel off wins, but the top of the West is what it is, but I think you could imagine a team separating itself from that middle and maybe becoming that fourth or fifth you know bonafide like this is a good team down the stretch I'm curious to see who that ends up being Dallas's offense is 22nd in the NBA this year that makes absolutely no sense they were the best NBA offense in the history of the league not too long ago I know that record gets broken every year so you can take it with somewhat of a grain of yeah, salt I think it was but the highest offensive rating I don't know relative to league but uh, yes. 
And then I guess I jumping down to 22 is insane. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the, the Nuggets. Like, sure. some, like Jamal Murray's already, what, almost eight months removed from that ACL tear. Um, and by all accounts from stuff I've seen from Nuggets media, um, or, you know, Nuggets, maybe some of it is just kind of, maybe it's a little bit PR, but it seems like he is on track. He's, he's warming it. He's playing a lot. He's doing a lot of yeah. drills and stuff and create, shoot around. So um, Jokic has been as good as ever, you know, taking leap defensively too. Aaron Gordon's having a good year. Obviously, they lose some 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 dynamic you know aspects without Michael Porter Jr. But I think you know if Jamal Murray comes back and plays like the borderline All Star he was before the injury last year. Um, that's a pretty good recipe. So yeah. um, I mean, if they can I, put I out a five of Jokic, Gordon, Barton, Murray, and whoever. <laughs> Whoever it has I think, to be. I think Jeff Green's starting for them yeah. this year. They, Jeff Green. They, they have Jamichael Green back. still, who's a, a perfectly servable, serviceable backup. They have Monte Morris still. Like mm-hmm. that, despite yeah. Michael Porter Jr. being out, that is still such a deep team. They have that institutional knowledge. Jokic is the type of guy that really is a bona fide. Like I won't allow my team to be. Well, I guess I should. I, I guess I should couch it because <laughs> it did happen in the second round last yeah. year. But that was. If it's that version of the team, they'll get swept again. If it's a yeah. more healthy version with Barton yeah. healthy, with Murray back, and some depth that's actually, you know, fits and makes sense, I think that they, they are there is sort of a baseline that's a lot higher than most of these teams. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I get the Suns and Four stuff, and the Suns fans should disrespect Nuggets fans for as long <laughs> as they possibly can. But I also wouldn't <laughs> underestimate them because there is a certain aspect of like, you're probably not going to get that lucky twice in terms of their health and everything. It else. wasn't just Jamal Murray, right? Like you know, no. Barton played half the series and he was compromised. Yeah. Like Barton looks a lot more spry athletic. He's been a very good shot creator for them. Um, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, coming I, off an injury, he's hurt again. Yeah, talk as much smack as you as you want as a Suns fan, but yeah, I, you won't yeah. get that version of them again. And then, yeah. like, I don't, I really don't like, I don't, I don't want to name. I'm literally going to have named all four, three now. But like, I just want to make sure that the Grizzlies get their love. They're sure. four. They're, yeah. four, they're in the four seed right now. Yeah, and I, I don't. I don't know where what direction they want to go. It seemed like maybe they were pivoting toward, you know, finding out what their their youthful core has when they traded away Jonas Valanciunas. But they they'd won five in a row before losing you know, on Tuesday or on Wednesday, excuse me. But I, I don't I don't love that team from a playoffs perspective. Um, but I, I do want to give them their their. Jaw, I mean, Jaw's a guy that's always posed problems for the Suns. I mean, Michaela has taken a step forward in terms of being able to corral those kind of really you know the offense centers around this guy types of speedy dynamic point guards like he, he looked a little better against Trey when they played this season maybe that and, and Steph maybe that continues but Jaw's a guy that historically has really punished the Suns so you know the way that his game has continued to grow I think that would be an interesting one we haven't seen how those two teams well actually the Suns blew them out once but that wasn't their full team I don't think if I'm remembering right so yeah it's it's going to be interesting I don't think the Suns are in a position where they'll have to play a team in the caliber of the Lakers in the first round again. I think that fluke has has come to pass and they might, you know, get to actually play a bad team or a, a subpar team in the first round like they should. So that's something to look forward to. That is a landscape of the entire Western Conference at the quarter point here. We'll start to get trades soon. We will start to get movement. We'll start to get buyouts, all that stuff that happens as the NBA nears its halfway point. So Uh, A lot will be different. I'm sure we'll bring Jackson back on when that all starts to happen. You can read him in the meantime at Basketball News, at Dime, at The Analyst. And if you're into the Sixers or just really love Joel Embiid like I do, you can find him at Liberty Ballers. (laughs) 
That will do it for the week, guys. Back Monday with Aaron Edwards of Crooked Media talking this Boston game on Friday and all things Suns. I will talk to you guys then.